This is Hypercritical, a weekly talk show ruminating on exactly what is wrong in the world of Apple and related technologies and businesses. Nothing is so perfect that it can't be complained about by the host of this show, John Syracuse. You know him from Ars Technica and elsewhere. And uh, by me, I'm Dan Benjamin. We would like to say thanks very much to FreshBooks.com and Shopify.com for making this show possible. I'd also like to mention that bandwidth for this episode of Hypercritical has been provided by Midas Green Technologies. Virtual private servers submerged in oil. Seriously, check them out at MidasGreenTech.com. How are you today, John? Big week for you. Well, may, or maybe not. Uh, I don't think so. You're saying so. not. You're saying that next week is the week. Uh, yeah, that's what I heard. That's the rumor. And fourth hand rumored, but the story I've got is that no lion this week. Uh, I thought it was going to be yesterday. Obviously, it wasn't. And what I've heard is that it's not going to be this week. Do we have a reason why? No. This is I'm very far removed from these rumors, but by the time they get to me, all I get is not this week. And That's uh, that, you know, I'm dis. Can I be honest? I'm disappointed in you. So am I. I want. I hoped it would be yesterday. I'm not disappointed in that. I'm disappointed in you for not understanding why and warning me. Oh, for not understanding. So, what is the day you're hearing now? The nineteenth now? No, I hear. I have no date rumored. All I know is not this week, and I only know that vaguely, third hand. So I don't know. I don't know what they're waiting for. But that's that's actually one of our follow up topics. Oh, is it? Yeah. Well, it's vaguely follow up related. I have I have a whole bunch of follow up today, and we do have the markdown thing as the main topic. But I actually have enough follow up to push that to another show if we really wanted to. Wow. So this could be an entire. See, this is what I think we should. I know you like compartmentalizing things. I do. I know that you do. But my feeling is that if we stopped calling it follow up and just talked, that. Uh, that somehow it would be more freeing because if it's like, Oh, well we did 90 minutes of follow-up. Well then it wasn't really follow-up. It was the main topic. It was just topics, just topics that are perhaps recurring topics. So how about this? You call it follow-up. I'll call it recurring topics and we'll both be happy. Yeah, there is a difference because follow-up is supposed to be talking about things that have been discussed on past shows (laughs) versus things that are just, here's something interesting in the news or an interesting topic that we've never talked about before. I don't know why we have to make the differentiation. We I mean, like, don't have to make it. Like, I bet I, I'm willing to bet that you talk to your wife every every single day about the house or the kids or whatever, and you don't go to her. Oh, honey, I have some follow up for you about uh, our son. Yeah, no, you just this is the, doesn't have follow ups, but uh, shows have formats. Well, for me, this is my life. <laughs> well, for me, this is my show. Okay, I like the follow up format. All right, fine, follow up. All right, what you got? So. The first one is a link that went around, maybe it went around last week and we just didn't get to it in the show. It was a, a GigaOM story that was also linked on Slashdot and the headline was Facebook trapped in MySQL fate worse than death or MySQL fate worse than death if you want to go that way. Uh, and the gist of the story uh, was that Facebook had sort of bit off more than it could chew with its number of MySQL instances. Uh, this is a quote from the thing. It says, that Facebook has split its MySQL database into 4,000 shards in order to handle the site's massive data volume and is running 9,000 instances of memcached, or memcached in order to keep up with the number of transactions the database must serve. Now, this is all not from Facebook officially, but it's from someone named Michael Stonebreaker, which is a great name. Uh, Stonebreaker is apparently <laughs> one, of the, one of the guys behind uh, Ingress, really old uh, relational database system that 
eventually spawned Postgres, and he's done a bunch of other database-related projects. Uh, he's uh, been a professor at the University of California at Berkeley, I believe. Uh, and his current business is another database company called VaultDB. He's the co-founder and CTO of that company. So the slash dot gist on this thread was, well, what a surprise. Somebody from a competing database startup says that Facebook is screwed because they use MySQL. Right? And the other gist of this story, well, get, the reason it's in the follow-up is because we talked about how Facebook was uh, what they were doing for scaling, and they right. were the one who was taking taking existing open source off the shelf software and bending it to their needs. So they they use PHP, which is off the shelf, but they've done all sorts of crazy things with it. I've since heard that they are, they have stopped supposedly compiling PHP into C plus plus, but I haven't heard what they've replaced it with. I don't know if that's true, but at any rate, they use PHP. Apparently, they use MySQL. Uh, I hadn't seen that part of the story uh, denied. But they're using it at, at just a massive scale. So, I mean, one MySQL database instance is fine. Splitting it up into 10 or 20 shards, fine. But when you have 4,000 shards and you need 9,000 memcache servers to, you know, so you don't hit the MySQL databases as much, that's pretty darn big. So, so the Slashdot comments were that this guy has a conflict of interest, obviously, because he's from a competing database thing. Uh, but the most convincing argument I saw against this article was that Facebook works. You know, <laughs> we're saying you're using MySQL. You're really screwed because when you right. get to large scale, it's not going to work. Well, who's larger scale than Facebook? They have like 700 million users. It may be a horrible, ugly hack, but the bottom line is they took this thing, this crappy database, and I'm not a big MySQL fan. I, I, I like Postgres way better. Uh, or they took this, this crappy open source thing and, you know, through force of will and engineering and money, they made it work for them. At the highest scale you could possibly be at. I mean, who, who's, who's doing something? What are you going to tell them? If you ever get really big, you're in trouble. Well, who's bigger than them? So it's an interesting case of, you know, this guy, the Stonebreaker guy, I'm sure he knows what he's doing. I'm sure VoltDB is great. I love Postgres. I like it so much better than MySQL. Uh, his, his technical knowledge is completely sound. I'm sure in theory he's right. But in practice, he's got a database product that nobody's using at this scale. Mm. And MySQL... Has is used at the biggest scale possible, albeit in probably a horrible, crappy way that is fragile and ready to blow up at any second. But that's probably true of all of Facebook, is that it's just a gigantic pile of crap at this point. Hmm. And it's amazing that it stays up, but it does. You know? So you can't, you can't tell someone that their choice of technology is a deal breaker when, when they're actually using it and at the scale that you've been warning them about. That's why I wanted to bring that story back up. I just thought it was kind of funny. Uh, although I am rooting for VaultDB or any other alternatives because relational databases, they're great and all, but no one has really figured out the magic scaling fairy dust. Uh, I think, I don't know if Stonebreaker was the author of this paper, but is that the, the cap theory of scaling? Have you ever heard of that, CAP? Maybe you can explain it. I don't think I've heard of that one. Uh, I, I don't have it in my notes, so I have to go from memory. So it's it's basically saying, uh, what this, who in the chat room can bring this up? Uh C is for like consistency, uh, P is for network partitioning, and maybe one of them is for, for A is for availability. It's basically saying that you can't have all three of those things, and if you want two of them, you have to sacrifice one of them. So if you, right. want to be no, heard of that. if you want to be resilient to network partitions, like you, know, you lose network connections between the hosts, uh, then you can't have one of the other two. Then you can't have consistency everywhere, or you can't have uh, you know 100% availability, and so on and so forth. So it's all about trading off... Yeah, uh, 
So the chat room has said it's availability, consistency, and partition tolerance. Partition tolerance. So really there should be a T at the end of it, but it's yeah. harder to say. It's, it's just a nice way to think about like it's a nice formalized way to think about what are the trade-offs between having like an Oracle rack cluster where you have a bunch of machines running a relational database versus something that's like eventually consistent where you may not see the latest data right away, but eventually you will. And it's distributed and resilient and always available that you, you know, it's the various trade-offs of how to scale data out. And this is a problem that's really not solved, which is why there's so much activity in this area. You've got you know, CouchDB, MongoDB, VaultDB. Uh, uh, there's even a Membase and something else, two projects for making uh, persistent versions of Memcached, which is like the same interface to it, but instead of, but when you pull the plug, the data doesn't go away, it's on disk somewhere. A whole bunch of the, and the NoSQL databases that, you know, a couple of them I just mentioned, uh, plus there's the stuff that Google's got internally and HBase and, you know, all sorts of things. And this is not a solved problem. So it's, it's, I wish it was a solved problem. Relational databases were a solved problem. And Postgres, if you wanted a relational database, Postgres is like the pinnacle of the evolution of that because it's free, open source, you know, non-commercial. You don't have to pay a million dollars to Oracle for it, and it's a great relational database. So if you want a relational database, there's one for you. But relational databases are heavily on the side of consistency and are very far away from you know, network partition tolerance and, uh, and availability. And on the internet, the trade-off seems to be in the other direction, where they want it to be available and they want it to be resilient to network failures. But if things are not consistent right away, that's okay for like your Facebook page or you know something like that. Uh, maybe not for banking transactions, which is why the banks still use relational databases. But this is not a solved problem, and it's a very interesting area. And I wish someone would solve it because it would be great if my grandkids, when they go to start their technology startup, they say, oh, we'll just use this for our data storage. And we know that it scales infinitely and, and we don't have to tweak it and we don't have to worry about it. We just chuck our data into it and as big as we get, we'll be fine. But that day is not here yet. Uh, there was another link uh, in the show notes that I'm assuming you put there about the Google Plus thing. Yeah. Ask me anything. Yeah, there was uh, a Google engineer showed up and said, ask me anything. And it was specific to the infrastructure behind Google. And I thought that that sort of touched on uh, one of the topics that you brought up, which was not so much an infrastructure one as a software one, as uh, far as how are, how are, how is this working? How is it scaling? And you kind of addressed that. Yeah, I read through it. As, I skimmed through most of it. I read the questions that piqued my interest. Uh, it's actually more of a follow-up to what you talked about on, on Build and Analyze with Marco, because he was saying... Yeah, he was wondering like the how source. they were generating the source code, because he had to parse it on with Instapaper. But It was obviously machine-generated, not human-generated. In that Q&A, they talked a lot about what they used client-side, and a little bit of what language they wrote the application in. Like they said, they used Java, and they didn't use GWT. But they never talked about what exists on the server side. They didn't say where what they're using for data storage or you know, what their data model is or how their servers are distributed or how they communicate or anything like that. In typical Google fashion, they will tell you that we use the Clojure Java compiler, which we released as open source and it's really great and you should try it. And they'll tell you if they use GWT and they'll tell you they use Java or if they use their Go language. They don't use Go apparently in this. But uh, nothing about what the server side looks like. So Google continues to protect its its crown jewels by not talking about them in any particular detail, but does talk about the client side stuff, which I guess it wants to spread because it wants web applications to be as good as they can be. So it's it's Google's advantage to share the love about writing web applications in terms of the client side, but the server side still keeping close to the best. So the next item here is uh, Showbot, showbot (laughs) showbot.me. Yeah. From Jeremy Mack, he did a nice post 
to his blog explaining the origins of Showbot and how he, uh, the IRC throttling business and how he rewrote it and where it's hosted and so on and so forth. So I put that in the show notes. People should follow that. I wholeheartedly endorse the showbot.me website versus the horribly throttled uh, IRC thing. Yeah. Well, let's oh, hold on. Let's take a step back because right right now this is like super meta and we need to kind of unfold this a little bit. So for the people who only listen to this show as a podcast, as an audio thing that they download, or even for the people who listen live but don't know, there is a what we refer to as a chat room. And the chat room, if you go to 5by5.tv slash live, there's a little button, a little link there that says chat room or something. I, I should know what it says because I wrote the page, but I can't remember. And it it, it essentially initiates within your web browser uh, a connection to uh, the 5by5 IRC channel on freenode.net. So if you happen to be a true geek and you like to use uh, IRC independently and not in a web client, you can just go to freenode.net and join the channel, uh, the 5x5 channel there. We'd love to have you. And during the show, uh, these people communicate with us and they correct uh, all the mistakes that we make or I make and uh, give us little links and other interesting things. And, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of the, uh, you know, it's the chat room. It's the chat. We love those people, the nerds in there. And uh, periodically people would come up with title suggestions and, and things and comments and other things that would be relevant to the show or people would say, hey, when, when is the show going live or whatever? And uh, this, uh, this kid, who is this kid? Jeremy. He said, you know what? I'm going to write this, this bot and the bot is going to sit in the channel and listen and it'll answer people's questions. It'll collect title suggestions that people make in the channel. It's great. And this is the story. This is the sh- story of Showbot. And the new showbot.me website. It's a beautiful yeah. thing. And the last show we were complaining about how it was very slow in doling out the titles afterwards because of IRC throttling. So that's why that's what the website gets around. The website loads immediately. You can see all the titles and it's a cute little format with speech bubbles and it, it divides it up by show so it knows when the shows start and starts collecting titles for that show. It's great. It's a great feature. Um, next thing I have is it's about about Lion. I mean, we're both disappointed that Lion wasn't out. Yeah, I still blame you for that. I think they got yeah. wind of your of your uh, article coming, and they said, "Not so fast, John." Well, that, I hate when that happens because now, now my article, which is done and edited and copy edited, is just sitting there aging. And I'm out here knowing. First of all, I know there's tons of things that I didn't include in the article. No matter how long a review is, there's always stuff that gets left out. Sure. So, one of the inevitable comments, it's always like, this is too long and boring. That's obvious comment. And the second comment is, why didn't you talk about blah? Whatever blah is, whatever thing they're interested in. It's just, you cannot talk about everything that's in an operating system release. So I have to pick the things that are interesting to me. And the, the worst part is when people s- describe my reviews as comprehensive. They're anything but comprehensive. Comprehensive implies that they cover everything that there is to cover on the operating system. They do not do that. They cover what I think are the most important topics and cover them in lots of depth. So they're thorough. You could say they're thorough if you if you think of the thoroughness as how deep is each topic that I talk about explored, but they're not comprehensive. Tons of things are not covered at all, not even mentioned. Uh, and I do have a section at the end of all my reviews called Grab Bag where I just throw out random stuff that I found. So what I usually do is right up to the point where it's published, I'm throwing stuff into that grab bag where it's like, oh, here's something else I forgot or I go through my notes so I forgot to mention this so this is a neat feature or maybe I should throw that in there or this would make a good screenshot. Just the little things, you know? Uh, and I used to be able to put in tons of those little things 
so that if like if I saw any other little things out there on the web of people looking at pre-releases or whatever, I'd collect them in my notes and put them in there. But now I'm holding off on editing because the process, the sort of the workflow process at ours where it goes through editing and copy editing and now it's being transformed into other forms. I think they're doing, you know, they have the PDF version and ebook versions and stuff. That's right. all so much more formalized and that and the people are still working on that workflow. And if I start editing the original at this point, I'm screwing them up because they have to start there. You know, it's not it's not automated. A lot of it is done by hand and people are doing it. So I'm not free to randomly add stuff to the review. But I have things that I could add to it, like just, you know, just little things here or there, mostly for the grab bag section. Uh, and there's a couple of major features that I would have covered if I had more time. But it's it's kind of it's not like a print deadline, but it's kind of like that in that you know, once you enter the machinery of the publishing process, you're not free to edit, not free to keep writing. You have to stop writing. At some point, you have to, some point you have to ship. So I picked that point basically. And yesterday, I think I made my last edit to the the article, which was just some a few wording changes here and there uh, after the copy editing was done. And so that's it. This is what it's going to be. So inevitably, when the review comes out, people are going to say, "Why didn't you talk about this?" Or I read this elsewhere, and this review is supposed to be comprehensive. Why didn't you? It doesn't have everything. No, no one review has anything. The Mac OS X is just too big for that. What I hope I did is I covered the these parts that I thought were most significant about Lion and a few of the more esoteric technical parts that I found interesting. Uh, and that's all I can hope to do. So if people are disappointed because they didn't cover your favorite feature or didn't complain about the thing that annoys you, um, I don't know, I guess we'll talk about this more when the review is published. But the, the reason it comes up on this follow-up topic is that part of the one of the reasons that I think perhaps that line could be delayed because at this point I don't think uh, they're going to have another GM seed uh, because they announced to developers like hey do you want your stuff to be on the on the Mac App Store build it with our current GM seed of, of right. Lion and submit it to us so they're basically asking for developers to use the GM seed they have to build their Mac applications and send them to Apple for submission to the Mac App Store and I have a hard time believing Apple would say oh, yeah, feel free to build your applications on a pre-release version of the operating system, and we'll put them in the Mac App Store. So it seems like this GM seed is going to be the actual GM. Right. Now, but what you had said is that for those of us who have, and I have not, but for those of us who have installed this, we are not going to be able to update so that when the first dot release or point update or whatever drops, you're saying we won't be able to use software update to update the, the GM. Well, what I said was that you can't update to the G. You can't up, use software update on any release that is not the final retail release, bit for bit. Really? Yeah. Uh, now, if they declare that this GM seed is the actual GM and they release it to the Mac App Store without changing a single bit on it, well, then yeah, you could. You can. But isn't that what you're update. saying? That's what well, you're saying. No, because they could. They could do something like, for example. Uh, in in the past, they've when they've declared an RC to be the release, it's not bit for bit the same. Like at the very least, they'll change the software version .plist, which is buried down in there, just to change it to be you know uh, ten point x point zero or whatever. Now, historically, they are in this most recent release, they don't need to do that because I believe system soft system version .plist does have ten seven zero in it. Uh, but the bottom line is, you don't know until you see something on the Mac App Store. Is every single bit of this identical to the one we have? Is the build number the same? Are all the, the strings the same? The license agreement? Every, you know, is it exactly the same software? Or did they do another sort of release build where they didn't recompile the software, but they just changed the metadata and the packaging and, and distributed that? So that's why I say wait. One was 
if there's going to be another GM seat, obviously you're screwed. And the other is, even if there's not another GM seat, if they change something small about it, it could be the software update will refuse to update it. So because of the uncertainty, I recommend it against doing that and just assuming that you'll be fine. You can't assume that you'll be fine. Uh, you might be, but you might not. So that's why I said don't upgrade. Uh, but I was thinking, why? so if that's the case, if, this is, if they're not going to have another GM seat, what's, what's the delay other than to make it so we can't talk about Lion for another yeah. week's show? Uh, <laughs> is that there are new hardware rumors. Right, the hardware there's a and there's a handful of hardware rumors, not just yeah. a, not just a couple. First, they came out with new. I mean, everybody's been talking about MacBook Airs being refreshed with uh, the the uh, Sandy Bridge and the Thunderbolt. So that's that's been out there in the wild for a little while. But then another rumor came. Well, they're also getting the lighted uh, backlit keyboards, and then we uh, got a whole bunch of new serial numbers that they were saying, oh, these are for the new Mac Pros. But it turns out they're they're apparently not for Mac Pros. They're for new uh, the, the the white plastic MacBooks and Mac Minis, and they're saying that the Mac Pros themselves will be updated in a, a few weeks too. So you think that's what the holdup is? If the GM they feel really good about it, they're ready to go with it. What could be the holdup? The holdup is a hardware. Why not release the hardware? Our first sponsor today, whom we would like to greatly thank for making the show possible, is FreshBooks.com. If you run your own business and rely on invoicing to get paid then you need to check out FreshBooks. Uh, FreshBooks lets you focus on your actual work, not paperwork. It's just the fastest way to track time, organize expenses, and invoice your clients. I use it and I love it. Are you still retyping client addresses on invoices in Word or manually calculating invoice totals in Excel? You can just put all that stuff behind you. And when you think of accounting, you know you have unorganized spreadsheets and a shoebox of receipts. I'm telling you, I know exactly what this is like. If FreshBooks changed all of this for me, I know it will for you and for your business too. Uh, and here's the cool part. Getting started is completely free. You just go to FreshBooks.com. You sign up for a free account. And they're doing something special for 5x5 five five listeners. They're going to give away, and they've done this before. They're continuing this. They're giving away a birthday cake every week to uh, somebody who signs up from this show. All you need to do for a chance to win it is uh, where they're asking you how you heard about us, you enter in hypercritical. And uh, and no, it doesn't have to be your birthday to win. Uh, you can still win a birthday cake. Check them out at freshbooks.com. But you think, well, first Why of all, I do, I, I do believe that there, that there will be some new hardware in our near future. Uh, like so, in, a, in a few days. I don't know how many days, you but know. it's not like you, you said. The MacBook Come Air on. is obvious; it needs to be updated. You know, but but when there's any kind of hardware rumor, every hardware rumor gloms onto it. So like you said, is it any machine <laughs> that you can think of? The only thing I haven't heard is like new Mac, new iMacs. Right. At least no one has said that because those were just updated with uh, the Thunderbolt and everything. Uh, Basically, Apple's going to put. I mean, we know this. Apple's going to put Thunderbolt on all all Macs. They're all going to get it. They're yeah, all going to get it. It's a matter of when and what other updates are going to come along as a part of that. And, and for delay reasons, you could say, well, they're going to want Lion to ship on these new machines. So even if it did go GM back when this was released on the, the 1st of July or whatever, even if this was the official GM, it takes a while to get that, you know, there's a hardware manufacturing lead time to get that software on the machines to ship them out. Yeah, they've, so got to, they've got to tweak whatever installation settings and make it just right and all the defaults for the particular system. Yeah. And then they've got to, got to print those. Uh, did they even ship? They do ship with DVDs, still a lot of them. So they've got to press those. They've got to. Well, yeah, that'll be interesting to see. Will they come when you buy a machine that comes with line? Will it come with a DVD? They'll have to. 
well, obviously the Airs won't. They'll come with that little USB, the little stick. USB stick. But you would assume they have to, but it's kind of, wouldn't it be kind of weird that like you can't buy a Lion on a DVD, but if you buy a new Mac, it comes with one? Well, so here's, here's the question that I have, and this is, this is the one topic that I had uh, on my list that I absolutely wanted to talk to you about, and that is this. Let, let's say that I am sure that somewhere on this planet, somebody has a small work group of Macs and they are not on a fiber connection to the internet. I mean, I, I know it's hard to believe, but somewhere out there, this exists. And that person is saying, you know what? I would like to update these computers to Lion, and I can't. I can't because we don't have the right kind of internet connection that would make this possible. Or we don't have any internet connection. Uh, we're a secret lab somewhere with you know, no, only one door, whatever. And how are they going to install this? They can't. You can't tell me that the Mac App Store is going to be the only way to update this and that you won't be able to buy a DVD. Are you kidding? That's what I'm, you're saying? I know. I don't think... I think Apple announced that. But I mean, the that's... Mac, so, but Mac you're, App you're, Store is the only way to for you to buy a Lion. That can't, now, it can't be. It, it comes with your new Mac. So here's... We're getting into the territory of my review because I have a whole page on this. But uh, I'm planning it, to read this review. Do a, do a dramatic reading of your review, by the way. We'll get to that later. All right. So, yeah. So I think... I don't know what the physical media situation is going to be, but the bottom line is I don't think Apple... Uh, Apple has to get this thing onto the new machines because they don't want to ship machines now that have Snow Leopard on them if they're brand new. They have to be coming with Lion. Uh, so the most interesting rumor that I saw here, almost, also the most likely to be false, was the rumor about Mac Pros. Uh, this is when they thought the back when they thought the serial numbers were for Mac Pros and other things before they discovered the serial numbers weren't. I don't know if I even believe either one of those that the serial numbers were for Mac Pros or that they're now determined not to be. It's just those rumors are extremely sketchy. But the discussion of the Mac Pros and whether they need to be updated and what that update might look like is eternally interesting to me, especially since I believe the current Mac Pros external design has been with us for eight years. Is it eight already? Yeah, because it's well, it started with the G5. Yeah, or I don't know if it's eight years, but it's some ridiculously long amount of time time. uh, that that machine has not been refreshed externally. Inside the inside, they've changed a lot. Obviously, it used to have PowerBC chips, but everything about the inside, what where the motherboard is, where the RAM is, where the drives are, how many drives there are, almost everything about it has been changed inside. But the outside, it kind of looks the same. So the rumor, the almost certainly false rumor from days ago, this is from Nine to Five Mac, was that uh, it would have a redesign enclosure that's narrower and rack mountable and 16-core uh, CPUs and Thunderbolt and blah, blah, blah. Uh, now the I hadn't heard the rack-mountable rack, part. Rack-mountable rack seems like such a crazy pipe dream. They just killed the Xer. Why in the world would they produce another rack-mountable computer? But not outside, you know, they could say, well, the Xer was an enterprise computer, but this is actually just a Mac Pro that's squished. Well, this, this kind of enters into the – and this, this happens every time. Every time that there are sort of rumors out there lurking, if, if the rumors aren't answered promptly by whatever the new release is that's initially creating and generating the rumors, if there isn't a swift response like the rumors come out and then six days later Apple has the, the release, then you start getting all these weird – now, I think it would be great. I mean if you're asking me – what would I like to have? Well, of course, I'd love to have a have a Mac Pro that I could slap a you know a, a slider on on each end of it and just rack mount the thing. I mean, wouldn't that be great? That'd be perfect, of course. And yeah, this this ancient you know in computer terms, ancient enclosure. Yeah, it's it's a great enclosure, but you know, it Apple is really really pushing the limits of what you can do with space. 
So why don't we have a smaller enclosure? Do we need all that space still? You know, no, we don't. Let's make it smaller. Let's let's uh, let's be inventive with with the way that we do it. I mean, look at the Mac Mini. Something between, give us something between a Mac Mini and a Mac Pro with the the expandability or close to it of the current Mac Pro, and that you would think that would, thing would sell really well. And hey, by the way, put some rails on; it'll go right into the rack. That's but, when you start thinking that that's too good to be true. That's that's one of the things I want to talk about. The reason I wanted to bring this up, not so much that I believe these Mac Pro rumors, but that uh, well, there's two topics. First is the X Mac, which which uh, Marco did mention on Build and Analyze. For people who don't know, I put a link to it in the show notes. My old X Mac story. The X Mac. It's a little X, capital M. Uh, I believe this term originated in the Ars Technica forums. I tried to research it back when I wrote this article to see if I could find earlier instances of it, and I couldn't, so I'm, I'm going with that. Uh, the XMAC was the term for basically for the machine between the iMac and the Mac Pro. It's a big gaping hole in Apple's lineup that's been there forever, that you could buy an all-in-one computer with a monitor and everything, and it's a cute little iMac, and the iMac has, of course, changed so much over the years, but it's always been an all-in-one thing. Or you can get a Mac Pro, which is a big honking tower, with more expandability than almost anyone will ever need, and it's big and noisy and heavy and super expensive, right? And there's an obvious huge gap between those two computers, and there's nothing there. So the XMAC was the term for the computer would slot in there. Now, since it's so vaguely defined, everybody thinks the XMAC is whatever kind of computer they want. So depending on what they want out of the XMAC, they will just map their desires onto it. The only thing you need to have is that it can't have a built-in monitor. Right. And it can't be as big as the Mac Pro. But everything else is all open season. So in my old XMAC article, I wrote a story about what I thought of would be a great Mac, XMAC. Not that I thought Apple was going to do it, but it was my take on here's what I wanted for, uh, for the XMAC. Uh, my current definition of the XMAC, which I think is, a reasonable, is what most people, the vast majority of people mean when they talk about it, at least the, the nerds, the Ars Technica nerds and other people, is that... You know, obviously, it's not, a, not an iMac and not a Mac Pro. And what that means is it has user-serviceable RAM hard drive and video card, like, like a Mac Pro. It doesn't have an embedded or an integrated video, like it has an actual video card, not one of those things that's soldered on the motherboard or integrated into the CPU. And you can have more than one hard drive in it. And those three bullet points are probably the only ones you can get everyone agree to for the XMac. What it boils mm-hmm. down to is, if, if, for example, gamers is a good thing. If you want to do games on a Mac, you have to buy a stupid Mac Pro because the gaming cards in the iMacs have always been so awful. They've gotten a lot better over time. In fact, the current one is actually pretty darn good. Uh, and it's actually, I believe, a, an external card now, although it's not user serviceable because that iMac is pretty well sealed up and you don't want to be digging in there. But if you want a good, if you want the best available video card that you can get on a Mac, you have to buy a Mac Pro, which is a huge waste because it's just this huge volume of space in there and slots that you're not going to use and, and hard drive slots and all this stuff. Uh, and it, it seems like such a waste of money to buy a huge, expensive three thousand dollars computer just because you want to play games. So it's like, give me, give me a small computer that has a big, fancy gaming video card, but otherwise is compact and quiet, and maybe holds two hard drives instead of four, and maybe doesn't support dual socket uh, uh, CPUs. Just one CPU is enough for gaming. Just make it a high clock speed. You know, right. it doesn't have to have as many cores. Apple does not make that machine, and people always want it. So anytime there's any kind of rumor, this Mac Pro is another instance of people saying, well, Mac Pro is really old, and wouldn't it be great if they were a little bit smaller because it seems so big, and they, they, everyone just everyone will, will come back to the XMAC. They don't know the XMAC name, but that hole in the lineup is there, and they will converge on it with their rumors and desires. Uh, and the reasons Apple doesn't make that machine are pretty obvious. First, 
first, the, the most important now is probably because most people buy laptops. Apple sales have been majority laptops for a long time, and it continues to shift in that direction. So Apple's attention paid to the desktop line is always, it's always kind of second fiddle to the portables. Um, but even beyond that, there's not really any upside for Apple in building the XMac. It, w- it would necessarily have lower margins than the Mac Pro because the whole point is it wouldn't be as expensive as the Mac Pro. It's not supposed to be like the G4 Cube where it's small and cute but also super expensive. It's right. supposed to be cheaper. Otherwise, why not just buy a Mac Pro? Uh, it's also more complex than the iMac. So it's kind of one of those don't-make-me-think situations where Apple doesn't want a customer to come into the store and say, well, I could buy this iMac, but people tell me there's this other one where you get the monitor separate, and it could be less expensive or more expensive depending on how you configure it and blah, blah. They don't like that confusion. That's not the Apple way. It's No one goes into the, the Apple store confused whether they should get a Mac Pro or an iMac. Because if you want a Mac Pro, you know you want a Mac Pro. Right. And if you don't want a Mac Pro, well, guess what? You're getting an iMac or a laptop, right? So it's like portable or not portable. And then once you pick once you pick not portable, I don't know if you want to call it desktop. Once you pick desktop, the choice is really easy. There's no confusion. So why would Apple introduce a new model that adds customer confusion, that lowers their margins, cannibalizing sales of the Mac Pro most likely more than pulling people up from the iMac, it just doesn't make any financial or practical sense for them ever to produce this Mac. But computer nerds would love that for there to be one, uh, and I would too. Barring that, which I don't think is ever going to happen, what I would like to see is a revision to the Mac Pro enclosure for, for a couple of reasons. First, is it's just fashion. Like, don't you get bored with the same? Everyone else gets redesigned. The iMac's got redesigned seven different ways a Sunday. Even even the laptops, which are so limited in how they can look because they have to be portable. And, you know, there's only a limited number of things you can do with laptop. Those have changed radically over the years in subtle ways. And the iMac even more radically. But the stupid Mac Pro, you know, it's time for us to have some fun, too. It's okay for the Mac Pro to change more slowly than the other models. But it should change. Like, I don't want to have this case. I don't want to be buying my third computer that looks like a giant cheese grater. Let's just... Let's draw the line somewhere. Uh, but internally, there are actual practical issues that can that can be fixed. Well, actually, before we get internally, externally, those handles, they're super sharp, and they're not particularly comfortable. They may look cool, but and they're better than no handles, but they're not great to pick the thing up from. Not that I carry around my Macs a lot. But for people who work in labs or any other place else where you do actually have to lift these things, you know that those handles are pretty cruel. Let me, let uh, me ask you a question before you get too into destroying the current enclosure. Has there ever been a Mac desktop enclosure that we've had for as long as we've had this current one across the board in any model? I don't think so. The only one I would say is if you wanted to count all of the G4s as one model where they just changed the sort of plastic cladding, then maybe you could count that. Or if you just wanted to count that shape, like the G3 through G4 shape, the one with the little the, the handles at an angle, Right. that external shape lasted for a really long time. You're talking but about this, the, the Bazel? Oh, you're in the Bazel. Yeah. <laughs> Now, the whole thing, the whole case shape, like if you were just to look at it in silhouette from the Yosemite G3 all the way up to whatever the last G4 thing was with mirrored drive doors, whatever, that shape stayed with us for a long time too. Uh, But at least it changed fashion-wise. It changed color, the features changed, it it sprouted vents and glory holes and all sorts of slots and shiny things and letters, and that changed in much more interesting ways. Uh, So yeah, but I do think the Mac Pro case has changed at least for the longest amount of time maybe the xserve wins that maybe the xserve changed less than that i know they moved the vents and changed to three hard drives when they went to i believe when they went to intel so at least that had uh, a break in the continuity but the xserve did look kind of the same about it but fashion aside and handles aside on the inside i liked when they changed from two hard drives to four because that's one of the reasons i buy a mac pro is i want to be able to buy cheap 
hard drive mechanisms without any other stuff attached to them and just stick them into yeah, my just computer. Chuck it in there. Yeah, it's the cheapest way to get extra storage. Uh, much less expensive than I mean, sometimes at this point, the external cases you buy, like say you just want a cheap USB case or a firewire case or a Thunderbolt case someday, those cases tend to cost as much or more than the hard drive, which kills me. And I, I was like, well, I'll buy one of these cases, but I'll be able to reuse it. But you can't really because first of all, one of my a lot of my cases are parallel. ATA, which of course isn't used anymore, so those all went by the wayside. And the second thing is, when you have a case with a hard drive in it, you think you're going to reuse the case. What are you going to do with the hard drive that's in there? And it seems like such a waste to just take it out and put it in the attic or throw it in the garbage. See, you know what ends up happening is you don't reuse them as much as you thought you would, and eventually they become obsoleted. So I'd much prefer to have internal space for drives. Uh, and the current models drives have these drive sled things. I, I don't know if you've have you pulled out the drive sleds in your Mac Pro that sure. you use. Yeah. So it's like a metal. It's like a flimsy L-shaped metal thing with four screws on it that the drive attaches to, but it's not a great experience. Like, it's, well, they're very the, they're very hard to get in and outright, and they, they there's sort of a point of tension where you have to pull. But if if you pull too hard, the thing will just sort of fly out like a rocket. And and also when you're pulling, since it's an L-shaped piece of metal, if you pull on the bottom of the L-shape, you're applying vertical <laughs> pressure, you know, <laughs> as a lever. You just want to be pulling it out horizontally, but right. if you try to pull it out horizontally, it's no place to, there's no place to grip it so that you're pulling directly horizontally. So the force vector is going entirely horizontally, and so there's no other force vectors going up or down. Oh, physics! The only, yeah, the only place you have to grab causes force vectors to go in all sorts of directions, and it and it binds up, and sometimes it's hard <laughs> to get them out. That's right. And and it's metal on metal. It's a, it's a piece of anodized aluminum or something sliding into metal slots, and that's not a nice experience. You know, metal sliding against metal is like it's not fingers on the chalkboard, but it's close. It's like scrapey. Uh, and if you remember the the Power Mac G5, you remember what that hard drive thing was like? Yeah. It had uh, you, what you would do is you would take your hard drive mechanism that you bought from the store, and they had these little dome-headed screws. screws. They were almost rubberized. Yeah. Well, no, the screws weren't rubberized. The screws were, were smooth, shiny metal. Oh, that's right. That's big, right. Big dome heads on them, and, and they, they had to they like had, fit uh, into a little uh, trough inside, right? Yeah, and the trough was plastic. So here you had. <laughs> <laughs> smooth metal on soft plastic. Oh, and the great thing was that those little screws had little places for them to be. Like there was four screw holes for them to be stuck inside the case. So it would come with one hard drive with the screws already in it. But when you got your second hard drive, you'd be like, where are those darn where screws? Where are the they screws? How do I have to buy them? But they were they already... Were sitting there, yeah. Yeah, they were, they were sort of... There were four little screw holes up inside that you just had to... I guess you just had to know that they were there. Or if you read your manual, perhaps it said... Yeah. And if you want to buy them third party, like you made the mistake of taking a drive out and didn't take the screws off, those things were really expensive. Yeah, that's the same thing with the drive sled. So the other thing with the drive sleds is if you want, uh, I've been swapping drives a lot with having a Lion drive, and I took out my Windows drive for a while, and I've been. You know, I thought you're just using your wife's system. computer for that. I'm using everything. I'm using every piece of hardware in this house, including my thing. So I ha- I'm swapping out drives, but swapping out drives is a pain when they're on a sled because you have to unscrew the sled and screw it into the other one. You're always afraid you're going to strip those tiny little screws because they're really small, Phillips head, size 000 or whatever. I would like to have an extra sled because then you could slide out the sled and just slide the other one in. But the sleds, again, cost half as much as an entire hard drive because they're, they're I don't know, they're rare. I don't know why they cost so much. Drive sleds always cost a bazillion dollars. Uh, I guess it's a supply and demand thing. So I would like to not have drive sleds. The G5 situation where you had shiny metal screws, smooth metal screws on plastic, that was a much more pleasing sliding experience. The only problem with the G5 one was that it only, it only had two drives, and to get one of them out, you had to take the other one out. Like You could take one of them in and out independently, but if you wanted to take the second one out, you also had to take the first one out because of this weird sliding thing. So I would like something that's 
like the current Mac Pros where you've got four or more drives. In fact, I would say four, five, six. Let me put as many drives as I want in there. I'll use them all. Uh, but do not have metal on metal. Have it be a smooth slide without any bad mechanical you know, mechanisms in there that cause them to bind up. So there's definitely room for improvement in the user serviceable parts on, on, on the Mac Pro. And the RAM is a little bit testy too. But You ever used a Drobo? No, I'm I'm not a Drobo fan. Have we talked about that? Oh, once? I think we like, did, but I, I was just wondering if you've ever because they have a kind of an interesting drive insertion mechanism that doesn't require doing anything to the drive. You just slide it in and it locks into place. And there are people who like it and people who don't. I was just curious if you had tried that. Yeah, I like. I've seen it. I've seen like videos of people doing it, and I like the idea. You know, no weird screws, no sleds. Just slide the drive in, and if it works fine, and there's not a lot of slop, and you don't get like the connector shaking loose or anything, then it seems fine. That's. I've been using Drobos for years, and I've never had a problem with with drive insertion or anything at all. I mean, it's, it's simple; it just works. And I, you would think that Apple would innovate something like that. Yeah, well, you know, hard drives are kind of creepy in that they're one of the last pieces of of a computer that's not hot swappable. Uh, I don't know if serially they technically support hot swapping. I think it might, but certainly the Mac <laughs> the Mac does not. So do not remove your hard drive while the computer is on. Do not put a new one in when the hard drive is on. Bad things will happen. Uh, and Thunderbolt obviously fixes this, but then you have the whole external case issue. And does the case have a fan? Does the case have a power supply? It's not bus powered. That gets so much messier. I, I'm a big fan of internal drives. I always pack my machines with as many drives as they can fit internally. We would also like very much to thank Shopify.com, one of our long-term sponsors. Love these guys. Uh, Shopify is absolutely the best way to sell anything online. I love them. Now, you get your own online store. You'll be able to accept credit cards. You'll be able to use your own domain. You'll be able to customize your store's design. They host everything for you. You don't have to do anything. It's all right there. It's just done. It's done. You can pick from over 50 free and premium themes in their theme store. And uh, if you know HTML and CSS, forget it. Design your own. It's up to you. You'll get your own shopping cart. you get streamlined checkout. And they have a dedicated team of security experts with a really thick-rimmed glasses that will handle all of your uh, e-commerce stuff and make it secure for you so you don't have to worry about it. I mean, they've got everything. They've got analytics. They'll uh, keep track of your store's progress over time. Uh, they do all of this. You don't, again, you don't have to install anything or do anything. It's just right there. Unique visitors, everything. Now, there's a 30-day free trial, but if you use the discount code 5 by 5 you will get your first three months free. A shop in minutes, a business for life at Shopify.com. I love them. You will too. Check them out. So on new hardware and the line delay, I don't know what's coming. I assume MacBook Airs are coming. I assume there will be no Mac Pro thing like, like Marco said on his show. The Intel roadmap dictates that the CPUs Apple would use for its Mac Pros are not yet available. But on the other hand, as he also said, Apple occasionally gets stuff early. So there's rumors flying around about that. I think he most recently posted something that was his take on this uh, serial number mismatch thing was that, oh, it looks, those are actual serial numbers for the white MacBook and the Mac Mini. Uh, just goes to show there's not going to be any new Mac Pros because the chips aren't ready, and that's probably true. So, And you're, and and, you're going to go on record, right? Okay, so today is Wednesday, July 13th. You're going on record and saying there will be no, this is your gut feeling, and whatever insider information you have and are downplaying, no new Macs this week, no Lion this week. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Next week, definitive, definite, absolutely. 
Uh, Stake I'm your whole reputation no, on no it. No new lion. I mean, these are just rumors. I'm just guessing. I'm guessing like everybody else. I'm saying no lion this week. Probably no hardware this week. Next week, I assume lion will will be released, and hardware. I give a fifty fifty chance for next week. Just because new hardware is coming doesn't mean it's coming at the same time as Lion or next week. You know what I mean? Like, it's obvious, as you well, said. Well, people have drawn that line, though. They've, they've made that connection and said that the reason that we don't have the airs yet, I'll just pick the airs out of the, all of the list because that's been the longest runner and we know those need to be updated. The reason that there's no new airs is because Lion wasn't completely ready and it, it takes him a week or two to go from saying, okay, this is our GM seed. We think it's going to be good to saying it is good to then printing it onto whether it's books or DVDs, which they may or may not be selling or, or even just burning the image down onto the little DVD, uh, the little uh, USB stick rather uh, to ship along with the MacBook Airs and putting them into the boxes and getting them imaged onto the hard drives and all the little things that they need to do that that could take a week or two. But you know what? I feel like that just kind of going back to the previous, this is, Follow-up of follow-up. But couldn't they have announced the new MacBook Airs and said they ship in a week or they ship in two weeks? Like the minute that they were 100% sure that the GM was ready to go. The minute that they said the GM is good. The GM, this is the this is our boy. This is the one. He's ready to go out into the world. That at that minute they say, all right, MacBook Airs coming out. Yeah, Apple's always been weird. Why about, wait? Why wait? Why uh, not yeah, just say because, it ships because in two it's not, weeks? It's not like they have a thing. Against Ship in two weeks. They won't announce it unless it's shipping today because they announce stuff that's all not the time. all the time. All the time. But on, on the other hand, you know Apple does like to have like a media message. I think it's probably dictated by marketing because they do they do want to announce things in a certain order to push a certain message. And if marketing has decided that the best way to release these is in this order, this and that, you know, that's, then that's the way it's going to go. If they say we should release Lion... And uh, we should release the hardware two days before, or we should release the new hardware two days after. Or actually, we should wait for all the line stuff to die down before announcing the new hardware. You know, I think a lot when of you, that when you say marketing, that's a, a euphemism for Steve Jobs. No, not really, because I think he delegates the launch order of most things to the actual marketing department. Which really, I think a lot of, has a lot of power within Apple. I mean, really, he it. He you think it he delegates ever. that? You, when you say delegates, that is a euphemism for giving them the specific date and time and order in which to launch. Uh, sometimes I'm sure he has strong feelings about it, but the way the way my impression of the way things work inside Apple is not that he dictates everything, but just that he, if he feels strongly about something, he has no problem reaching down the organization and making it so. But if he doesn't feel strongly, you know, that's why he hires good people. They come to him with something, they say we're thinking of doing X, and he goes, "Yeah, that sounds fine," or "No, it doesn't." And I think he says, "Yeah, that sounds fine." A lot with the marketing people. Now, obviously, when it's it's something involving him, like the iCloud launch or whatever. He's going to say, no, iCloud has to be at the same time as WWC. WWC is going to be iOS 5, Lion, and iCloud. And that's going to be our push. You know, that was a clear message at that conference that they had those three things. So even if iCloud was early ready or iOS 5 was early ready or anything, all those three were going to coincide at WWC no matter what. But for hardware stuff like this, you've seen what they do with the hardware. Like, they'll update the Mac Pros and not even say anything. They get right. a press release, maybe if you're lucky. Same thing with the white MacBooks and stuff. And then occasionally they'll be like, the new airs will get on the front page and there'll be a press release, but it's not that big of a push. Obviously, Lion is going to be a big push. So I don't know when these things are going to come, but I would imagine that marketing has a lot to do with it. Uh, and if they, if they really thought it was super important for Lion to be out this week, like if there was some sort of external pressure, they would have just done it. And if the hardware wasn't ready, they would have announced it. If they decided it's best for us to announce hardware and software at the same time, they would have just announced it. But 
not this week, probably next week. And I wouldn't be surprised if you either don't see the hardware or see the hardware before the software, because I don't know what the no what the best uh, sequence is for this. You know, they could, like you said, they could announce the hardware. Hey, new MacBook Air. So they announced that on Monday, and then on Wednesday they they announced Lion, and they could announce the MacBook Airs will be shipping with Lion. Uh, but you won't get them in th- for two weeks or whatever. You know, well, yeah, maybe that maybe that just goes back to playing their hand as far as announce, pre-announcing when Lion ships without intending to. In other words, if they say, oh, yeah, it's available in two weeks, well, then everybody says, oh, well, that means Lion's not ready and Lion's not coming out for two weeks. But now we know it comes out in two weeks, so that gives, you know, that plays their hand. Yeah, well, they do, they're going to keep their July promise, I'm assuming. So I don't yeah. know. So we'll, we'll see next week. Oh, uh, they'll keep Josh their Dio. July promise. I think. I think we we might. You know what? There's still a couple days left in the week. They've they've been known to release things on Thursdays before. I would be shocked if that happened. I just hope. I just want to see what you look like shocked. So Josh the Oak in the chat room uh, mentioned that uh, Lion has a different solution for enterprise and education customers for uh, distributing the software. What he says is that those customers are allowed to download a Lion installer app from the App Store. And then just download it once, and then you can use that installer app to install on all the machines on the site. So basically, you're in a situation where you, if, if you have today, if you have a Mac, and the Mac has no operating system on it, let's say the hard drive completely failed, and the hard drive is gone, and you buy a brand new hard drive for it, and you would like to install Lion directly, you cannot. Well, you could because if you bought a Mac, it came. No, you you didn't food. buy a Mac. You have this Mac from before. Where did you get it from? No, you you, you bought it from a friend. Bought you bought it from it your mom. Come with it. Should have come. She with lost a, it. She lost the DVD. She yeah, lost so you're it. Find you're gonna have, same thing would happen if you bought a Mac pre-Lion and you lost the DVD and you lost the hard drive. You have to boot it from something to get the OS installed. You, you put in the have, brand new Lion DVD. Boot up from that. Well, if you had a Lion DVD, you could. That's do that. what my point is. How do you get? That's how do you get Lion on there? You can't. You get to buy. You got to go and find a copy or buy a copy of Snow Leopard. If you bought, oh yeah, I'm assuming the machine will come with something you can boot it from. Uh, Snow Leopard machine. What if it's an existing machine Leopard. though? If it's an existing machine, it came with originally a Snow Leopard. But disc, I lost the no, disc. I know, but it, you're in no different situation if you lost that disc, whether Lion exists or not. You know what I'm saying? No, I am because if it shipped on, if whatever the latest operating system was shipped on DVD, I could drive in the Apple store or call up Amazon or whatever I needed to do and get the DVD, put it into the machine and install it. You understand what I'm saying? What if, what if? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and there's, I, you, you, I know that this is just something you can't fathom, but there are a lot of people who are like still wanting to do it this way or might have to do it this way. And I'm saying there, there has to be a way. Uh, listen, I'm the first person in line to say, let's get rid of DVDs. I, I hate all of that kind of media. I, I, I love all of this electronic distribution. And for me, it's perfect. I'm the kind of person who – I never need to see that kind of stuff again. Every, everything should be streamed. Everything should be downloadable. Every, everybody should have Fios. Power to the people. But the reality is there's a lot of people who just don't don't have this in the world. I'm talking about the world. Like – you know the continent of of Europe. I think they're almost they're getting internet soon. But you're talking about indi- individuals or institutions. I- individuals, the individual as an institution. Discuss, but anyway, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm saying that that an individual person who is in this, in this situation, it's not typical, but there's still people like that. What do the what does that person do? They got to go find a copy of Snow Leopard, install that, get onto the App Store, make the account, 
buy Snow Leopard, I mean Lion, wait while that thing downloads, install it from Snow Leopard. That's that's a headache. That's someone a headache. In the chat room, someone in the chat room says they are on a 200 megabyte per day satellite internet connection. There you, there you go. That's a typical listener, I guess. Where, where do you think that person lives? UK, because they don't have internet over there. Ohio. There you go. So I don't think Apple cares about the people with no net connections. I, I do, I do think there has to be some sort of physical out for these people even if that physical out is to go to an apple store and say and tell them your plight say you know i've got a computer at home i lost the cd i really want to put lion on it you guys don't sell snow leopard anymore uh i guess you could probably buy snow leopard from amazon or something but there's no more snow leopard dvds available anyway (laughs) if i get a new hard drive how do i reinstall the operating system on this thing now like you suggested earlier it could be that new computers will come with a DVD, line DVD, and Apple will have a bunch of them in the back of the room for you. Uh, assume this person also has no friends, by the way, because you could, someone could burn you a line DVD using the installer pretty easily. Or imagine they live, you know, they live in Ohio or somewhere where there are no other... They, they, they have, yeah, they have no other geek friends. Right. They have no access to anything, but they can drive to an Apple store. Would the Apple store burn you a DVD or have some in the back room for you? Or would they have, like, thumb drives that you can buy for a nominal fee or something like that? I don't know. It, it seems like it's not as big a problem. I, I think, practically speaking, it's going to be very difficult to ever be in a situation where you absolutely can't get a physical version. Like, who has no friends who have Macs? <laughs> you know, who also has a Mac? I don't know. It's, it seems like you could get something. It's very like, much an edge case. But I just, I think it's, I think it's a pretty big deal. I think it's a pretty big deal. It's as big of a deal as maybe as not having a floppy drive in the iMacs when that happened. So are you going to predict the new machines that come with Line, are they going to ship with an optical disc that you can boot from? You know, I could almost imagine instead just why not have the little USB thumb drive that they do just for the Airs? Why not Why not do that for all new Macs? Well, because the optical disc is way cheaper than that USB thumb drive. Yeah, but, the but is 10 cents. Well, I know that, but I think I just think that's such a neat way to do it. It is neat. So, so you... Do you think they'll have something physical, whether it's a thumb drive or an optical drive? But they have to. New machines that ship with Line have to come with a physical thing. I, think, can... I think so. I think they have to. I I be I wouldn't be shocked if they didn't. But I I suspect something. I suspect they'll have to. I think they will, and I think it will be an optical disc. Yeah, for that ones, would not for that, that would that not surprise drives. me. But then, does that mean you wouldn't be able to buy one of those in the store eventually? I don't. I don't think they're going to ever sell them. You may be able to obtain them from your friendly Apple (laughs) store if you just go and tell them and they'll either burn you one or have a bunch in the back room or once you can prove that you actually purchased line by showing them on the Mac App Store. See, look, I purchased it. I just can't download this. Apple stores are always accommodating with stuff like that. And why why wouldn't they? What Other than, you know, as long as you make a Genius Bar appointment and you've made your appointment and you filled your time slot and you come in there and say, you know what I need? I need Lion. I bought it on the Mac App Store. Let me log you into the Mac App Store on one of these Macs and show you. See, I bought it, but I totally can't get it because I'm in Ohio and I have satellite internet. Can you help me out? What's what's a kid's name in Ohio? What's a kid's name? That was uh, TJ Loma. Am I mangling that name? That's his name. Let's call him TJ. So here we are, burned through a bunch of follow-up, and we still didn't get the markdown, and I'm still not even done with my follow-up. Well, let's just do, we'll do a whole episode of follow-up. Yeah. Well, what, what is this next thing I see? Quick pick. Oh, I've wanted that forever. That has been in my notes for months and months, and that's a, that's a rant topic. Uh, we could save that for another time, I guess. Once more. That, Rap, rapid worth... DHCP. Yeah, you put that in there. I looked at the article. 
I thought you would like that. You don't like that? It was technically interesting to explain why Macs can join networks quickly when you... Have you ever... I mean, if, you, if you're a Mac user, and most I would think most of our audience probably is, you may not, you may not know this, but because you're, a lot of people who use Macs only use Macs. Uh, but if, if you open up your, your Mac laptop, by the time that you can get to a web browser, assuming you're on a network that you've been on once before... Uh, you know, a Wi-Fi network. By the time you can like get to start typing something into the web browser, you're online. You're you're browsing the web. You're there. You're you've got your DHCP address assigned. You're on the network. You're ready to go. You may not know this, but it's not that way for non-Mac machines, especially not Windows machines. Linux, uh, not really either. It takes a little bit longer. Now, we're not talking about minutes where you're sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting to get a signal. No, but it's a perceptible amount of time. It might, it might be several seconds longer, if not maybe even longer for an older machine, whereas all the Macs are just, boom, they're right there on the network. So this guy wrote this, uh, this article, very technical article. What's this guy's name? David Simmons. He's a software engineer, and he, he does like the low-level system stuff. And it occurred to him one day that his Macs were way faster getting on the network. So he's analyzed this whole thing. He, he used a, a Samsung Galaxy Tab running 10.1, a, uh, a MacBook Pro running 10.6.8. And uh, he, was, were those the only two machines he tested, or did he test something else? But he basically watched how they get the, their links established and what happens behind the scenes in DHCP and should he integrate this into the Linux kernel and what did you make of this thing? I thought it was pretty neat. It, what it shows me, because he shows the packets and, and the timings, Yeah. what it shows me is that this is not a technology thing where like Apple has some super advanced technology they don't have. Right. It's, it's an attention to detail thing because the only difference is the policy that's used. The Apple, someone in Apple said... It's annoying when I open up my laptop lid and I can't use the network for like 10 seconds. Right. It, it, you know, or five seconds or whatever. So someone high enough up said, that's annoying. Can we fix that? And, and when you what, say someone, that's a euphemism for Steve Jobs. Or, or anybody else who has been influenced by his, you know, uh, value system. So the PC laptop that he's got, what it shows is basically it does a bunch of stuff and then it waits and it decides after 10 seconds, which is probably a configurable timeout somewhere. It's like, well, I guess there's no, there, you know, this is a different network. Let me see if there's a DHCP server. That's just a policy. It's like, try your old network, and if you can't get to it, see if there's a, a DHCP server. And there's a 10-second wait between that. So, the, boom, there's your 10 seconds. So, the, the guy who got this request at Apple said, I don't like waiting that amount of time. He said, well, we don't have to do it that way. Why don't we just remember the last few networks we've connected with and see if any of them are still viable and get right back to using them? And we can do that in uh, more quickly than if we use this other policy. It's just a change in in what do you do when you wake up and how long do you wait to see if the thing you thought was there is there or not or whatever. Um, so that's just a – there's no reason Windows or any other vendor can't do this. Probably Windows – the reason Windows can't do everything is because they say, well, there's some enterprise vendor somewhere that says if we change this mechanism, it will invalidate their network security. And the government says we have to do follow this algorithm exactly and the 10-second wait is mandatory and blah. But, you know, there's always some reason why Windows can't do anything. Windows is totally bogged down with enterprise entanglements. Well, I think I did an article on that way back when. But it, it's still as true today as it was then. Enterprise entanglements – tie at Microsoft's hands or Microsoft believes they tie its hands. They choose to cater to that audience so they can't do stuff. So Apple doesn't have those problems. Apple's not going to say, some big client's going to say, wait, wait, wait. Actually, the old algorithm 
the way it works is that's our network needs you to wait that 10 seconds because we do X, Y, and Z. And Apple says, no, it's more important for the majority of our customers to open the lid and get their network connection as fast as possible. So we're going to change our network stack a little bit and our Wi-Fi thing and say, all right, when you when they lift the lid, actually send out these four or five packets. Remember the last few networks you've connected to. See if them, any of them are available and quickly reconnect to them because it gives a better user experience. And we don't care if it violates the expectations of the network admin or some sort of protocol or anything like that. The bottom line is it works in practice and it's a better algorithm than waiting 10 seconds. Uh, so that's another example of Windows and PC vendors failing, not because they lack the technology or expertise, but because they have the wrong value system. They're to make, they make the wrong choices about what's important. So I guess it wasn't a bad story. Okay. A little technical. Read it in the show notes. Really, for this show, a little technical? Yeah, well... I don't know. I'm not a network guy, so I don't have a little technical assistance because it's something that I don't understand thoroughly. So I have a vague understanding of network-related topics. So you don't want to talk about that, but you're, you'll find talking about chemistry or whatever. Physics. Physics. So do you think then we've basically got two days this week and two days next week where, where line could be announced or released to know whether or not next week's show will be about it? We were hoping it might be this week's show. Now, now we're thinking it might be next week's show. You got to think, you know, Apple likes Tuesdays. So I'm still thinking next Tuesday or next Wednesday. Now, if this, it, if, oh, Wednesday? I thought it was only Tuesday or Thursday. I didn't even know Wednesday was a uh, potential. What is Wednesday? Wednesday is, I don't know. You're right. It's probably Tuesday or Monday or Tuesday. Who knows? Who knows? I heard, so the, we'll ni- I, I heard the 19th a long time ago. I was saying the 19th. And then these, these 12th and 14th rumors started flying. Yeah. So I'll tell, oh. I'll tell you what. This is how the listeners will know. If Lion comes out... We do white smoke? Well, no, they'll know. If Lion comes out, they'll know that the show is going to be a, a Lion extravaganza. Oh, spread, yeah, a, spread apart six, six, six to ten different episodes. Well, it will begin. Long series will begin. We'll see. I don't know how long it's going to take us to go through it. It depends on if you have specific questions. Might take, might take a good six months. Well, one thing I can say is I'm going to assume that when we do that show that the people listening have either read or skimmed the article because I'm not going to reiterate everything in the article. Or I'm perhaps they will have listened to the article. Perhaps they will have listened to my dramatic reading of the article if I can acquire the rights to do that. I'm not sure I need do I need a response to that? I have not. I, so for the people who don't uh shame on you if you don't follow me on Twitter. I'm Dan Benjamin on Twitter and you can follow John at Syracusa, no Z, S I R A C U S a, no, there is no longer a Z in that, uh, and you can uh, you could follow the discussion there. And basically, what I did is I asked people. I said, "Would you enjoy a dramatic reading of either perhaps some or maybe all? Because it's only eighty five pages. Uh, you know, essentially an audio book format. Now, it, what would be really ideal would be for Merlin uh, to to read it in his uh, a Carl Van Hout uh, voice." Can you do an impression of Merlin no. doing that impression? No, but I, I can and will do an, an, it in a Squidward voice, which is the same as doing it in a John Syracuse voice. Let's hear that impression then. I will. still haven't heard Squidward. I don't, you, well, I, you need to just go watch the show. I know. I would like to hear your impression. You'll hear it when I do the dramatic reading. All right, all right. So anyway, I have applied uh, to the powers that be uh, over at Ars Technica. Uh, can I say who I, I asked? I shouldn't. I asked the powers it be. That's enough. 
and uh, I'm waiting for a response. It would be great. I didn't, you know, I don't know what the legality of it is. I know that if you ever listen to regular traditional or satellite radio, they read they read things all the time. They rarely read something in its entirety, but they frequently read it, and then they'll take excerpts from it and things like this. Now, this is a different situation because we're talking about, you know, 85 pages, and that's not a lot for me to read. I could read 85 pages in, you know, in an hour and a half, easy. I'm, I mean, I could do it like the Micro Machines guy. Remember those commercials, the FedEx guy, the Micro Machines guy, the fast yeah, reader. So, uh, I don't speaking think of this reading. Let, let me just go on record and say that I think a dramatic reading is a dumb idea, and no one should ever listen to it because you have to look. You have to see the screenshots, and you know. It just, well, maybe I'll make it a screencast, and I'll show the screenshots while I'm reading it. It just seems like a weird thing. To I'm me. trying to if raise some want, money if you for want you. To do it, and, and they give you the rights. I'm trying to, to raise money for you. I'm going to let people donate. They can donate nothing, or they can, and I'll donate 100 percent of the profits to you. Well, why don't you wait to see if you get the rights? Because I think to read the entire thing, you definitely do need the rights from the people who... What, how about this? I know that I could read some excerpts of it. Certainly, yeah. But anyway, long, long story short, long story short, I would, uh, I would very much like to read perhaps part of it, perhaps just like an intro, like a very cool intro. I just read the intro. Do you have a cool intro paragraph or something where you like set the stage for the whole article? I could just read no that. Part, no part of what I wrote in this article is cool. <laughs> I hate to burst your bubble. I think your stuff is kind of cool. Yeah, maybe. My, did I tell you that? My, my son asked me yesterday if I was cool. Oh, he had to ask? I thought it was a trick question. Like, Did I you tell him? Me. Were you honest? Or yeah, did, did you say something like, in what context? I did. More or less, I did say, you know, probably not. But some nerdy people think some of the things I talk about is cool. So it really depends on who you're talking to. Because, yeah. you know, I mean, you're the same deal. You're definitely not cool, but there are people who think you're cool because you're cool to them. You know what I mean? Yes. In the wider scheme of things, definitely not cool. And that's okay. That's that's why we're nerds here, you know? Nobody judges here. That's right. But I would say, yes, from, from in, the, in the real definition of cool, there is nothing cool in my article. But if you're into Mac OS X... Maybe you'll find some parts of it cool. I don't know. So I wouldn't I wouldn't worry about next week's show, even if mine is now, because I got so much stuff. I don't know why my list of topics exploded. I didn't get to here's all the things I didn't get to. We didn't get to Markdown again. Sorry, people. We didn't get to the quick pick thing, which has been on my list forever. Uh, I wanted to I find so I was writing the line review and I'm way behind on five by five shows, which is annoying because now I'm living in the past basically. I'm listening mm. to shows two and three weeks ago. Uh, I just heard the show with uh, you and Merlin flailing helplessly in in the sea of mac misremembered mac facts and uh oh that feels like a million years star War, and star wars things yeah that's how far behind we I did am, that so. show just for you yeah well it was it was painful so i wanted i would want to talk about that uh i have lots of things to, to talk about in subsequent shows so don't worry if mac os 10 is not out next week we will definitely still have things and i'm sorry we didn't get to all of them this week but i think that's it for us well, we will be back next week, and uh, if, you, if you hear about Lion or any new Apple stuff coming out before Wednesday, you'll know we'll be talking about it. Otherwise, uh, Markdown. That's right. Maybe. Maybe. Well, have a good week, John. You too. Well, that about does it for this week's episode of Hypercritical. We're really glad that you decided to join us this week. Uh, you can follow John on Twitter at Syracusa, no Z. I'm Dan Benjamin on Twitter, also no Z. Please check out 5x5.tv and you can hear previous episodes of this show as well as the entire catalog of 5x5 shows, which we would love for you to check out. 
If you want, you can rate the show on iTunes. It helps new listeners find the show. It does a whole lot of other great things. Uh, So please consider doing that. If you donated, thank you so much for doing that. Every little bit helps. And uh, and that's about it. We want to make sure to say thanks to our amazing sponsors, FreshBooks.com and Shopify.com. Be sure to go and check those guys out and help the show that way too. We will be back next week, maybe to talk about Lion, maybe not. You never know. But we'll be here. See you next week. Bye.